0: Organizations from around the world are scrambling to plug a vulnerability in the open, secure socket layer, the protocol that encrypts sessions between user devices, and websites known as Heartbleed. Hello, I'm Eric Traver of Information Security Media Group, and to discuss how enterprises should tackle this problem, I'm pleased to be joined by Will Dorman. He's Vulnerability Analyst at Carnegie Mellon CERT Coordination Center, who wrote the vulnerability note that CERT issued about Heartbleed. Welcome, Will. Hi, it's good to be here. You've seen lots of vulnerabilities over the years. How would you characterize Heartbleed?
1: That's a good question. I've been doing vulnerability analysis at CERT for just about 10 years now. We've seen quite a spectrum of vulnerabilities. In this particular vulnerability, it's an interesting category of a vulnerability in that a lot of the cases that we deal with with vulnerabilities, there's some sort of flaw in the software that allows an attacker to, to ideally execute code, whether that be a, a drive-by download in a web browser or compromising a server some way. So this particular vulnerability, the flaw in OpenSSL is allowing an attacker to retrieve private information that they wouldn't otherwise be able to read. The general aspect about that is you don't really necessarily know what's going to be in that chunk of information that is leaked to the attacker. It could be nothing, it could be a bunch of zeros, but it could be things that are more sensitive. It could be even a secret key that is used in the crypto library. It could be a password, or it just could be other information that is sensitive It should be protected, but not sent to the attacker. And you know how that came about? This particular flaw is an implementation issue in the OpenSSL code itself. It's really just coding error in the library where they are not properly checking to make sure that the data that is sent to the client is valid. Because of this implementation flaw in OpenSSL, an attacker can simply request a larger size of data, and what's happening there is that the extra data is being sent to the attacker where it really should have been, the, the data should have stopped at the point where the, where the data that is valid has ended.
0: This flaw's been around for about two years. Why do you suspect it took so long before someone identified it?
1: That's also a good question, and and that's something that that we deal with frequently in the whole process of vulnerability analysis and coordination at CERT here. Almost any vulnerability that we deal with, the point of interest is when that vulnerability is made public. So somebody has discovered it, or perhaps a vendor has published an update, and now that information is public. But in any particular case, that vulnerability was there before somebody discovered it. (laughs) So it's not that the discovery of a vulnerability is the creation or the inception of that particular vulnerability. Almost with with any case, the vulnerability is there and it just happened to be through whatever luck or research or tools or techniques somebody happened to discover it. Um, So in this particular case, somebody was looking at the OpenSSL library code, and the vulnerability was discovered. But in any particular case, it's kind of interesting to look at the amount of time that elapses between when that code was released and when somebody found it. And in a lot of cases, you can have vulnerabilities that, I guess you could call them a sleeper vulnerability, where it's perhaps been there for years and just nobody happened to look at it or nobody had the right technique. And like I said before, in a lot of cases, sometimes it's just dumb luck where you happen to be at the right place at the right time and and it just happens to come to you and you find it. There's no way to know whether anybody exploited this, correct? That's a tricky part about this vulnerability is that if an organization has some sort of network capture, network monitoring device or software, it's possible that they could go back and look through that traffic and see, is there any sort of malformed TLS handshaking going on where there is information leaking. If somebody has what's referred to as a a full packet capture network logging system, they might be able to determine one, if they were attacked, and two, when that attack occurred, what information was leaked. But because the vulnerability is simply just leaking extra information to an attacker, and it happens in the initial handshake of the TLS, there really isn't any logging that's occurring. You're not going to see an application crash. There's really no persistent evidence that that particular vulnerability was being exploited in absence of any sort of network logging capability.
0: Is there a lesson from this revelation about Heartbleed, about way organizations should go about securing their critical assets, ways that vendors should uh, design products, test products?
1: Sure. It's one of the things that we deal with frequently here, the CERT program, in the vulnerability analysis aspect in particular. In a lot of different cases. People consider vulnerabilities to be unique and isolated and and a lot of times they, they consider them to be very important and it's just a single standalone sort of event. As for anybody who works with vulnerabilities, can attest to, vulnerabilities are not rare. <laughs> the vulnerabilities are more prevalent than people realize. One of the things that that we like to do is, rather than considering individual vulnerabilities as single, isolated events, the, the general idea is to help do things defense in depth, other sort of exploit mitigations, operate with the understanding that the software that you're using has vulnerabilities in it and have something in place that can help minimize the impact of somebody attempting to exploit that particular vulnerability. Can you give an example? Well, in the, the case of a lot of vulnerabilities that we deal with, it's not really related to this particular open SSL vulnerability. But in a lot of cases, you know, Microsoft Windows is a very popular platform where people run software. And in a lot of the publications that I've made and some of my coworkers have made, a lot of vulnerabilities involve memory corruption. So there's some sort of flaw in the software that allows somebody to achieve code execution And there's actually ways that you can help minimize the chance that somebody can successfully pull off an attack by leveraging a memory corruption vulnerability on Windows. And that's a tool that that Microsoft has released, and it's freely available, and it is called EMET, E-M-E-T, and that stands for the Enhanced Mitigation Experience Toolkit. The interesting thing about that is when you're... Considering individual vulnerabilities in any particular application, there's a whole process of somebody, the vendor patches the software, then you install the patch, and then you pretend that everything's fine and nothing's going to happen. But the problem is the very next vulnerability that comes out, somebody might be able to exploit that. And so the idea is take a step up and do something on the general level that helps minimize the impact of what might happen if a vulnerability is being exploited.
0: For CISOs, say at a bank or healthcare agency or, or a government agency, they go patch the, um, the the current vulnerability of Heartbleed, they make sure they uh, have a new encryption license or certifications and uh, passwords changed. Are
1: they done? As you can probably guess, and especially people that are are dealing with computer security, I don't think anybody's job is ever fully done. With respect to this particular vulnerability, obviously updating the software, I mean, this vulnerability was just made public on Monday. So a lot of vendors are still scrambling to determine if they're affected or if they are affected get a software update released and making sure that that it works properly. So a lot of stuff is 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 really up in the air right now where vendors are just getting to the point where they are making software updates available. The basic thing to do is yes, make sure you're running software that is protected against this particular vulnerability. And the other thing about it if uh, of the the aspect of the vulnerability being an information leak, like you mentioned before, the, from, from a really From a perspective to be extra cautious, uh, you don't necessarily know what was lost. So if if it was a password or if it was a secret key, the really cautious way of approaching that would be to generate a new key, change your passwords. So the main website that is describing this issue is heartbleed.com. If you're to look at that page, there's actually a technique, and along the lines of how Emmet can help protect against memory corruption vulnerabilities on Windows, there is actually a technology that is used with respect to this sort of encryption technology, and it's called Perfect Forward Secrecy.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask you that, because that is in your, your vulnerability note. Tell us what that is.
1: I'm actually not really a crypto expert, but based on what I've read about Perfect Forward Secrecy is, it is a mitigation technique that helps protect what can happen if a secret key for a web server is lost. So in this particular case, or one of the high-impact results of this vulnerability is, let's say you're running a web server, and somebody leverages this vulnerability to get your secret key. What that means is, if they have the secret key for a web server, what that means is that they can actually decrypt traffic. If, if I, as an attacker, have a network capture of some sort of communication, if I'm sitting at a conference coffee shop and I'm just capturing all the traffic that's going over the network, if somebody was doing their banking there, if I as an attacker were able to get the secret key for that bank, I might be able to go back and in retrospect, I can go back to that traffic and then decrypt it, which is uh, a pretty significant impact here. The perfect forward secrecy is a technique for preventing that sort of thing from happening. The way that that implements that is by having an additional key that it's not basically it is uh preventing all the eggs from being in the the one basket of the secret key of a web server it it just adds another additional aspect to the to the cryptography process and this could be done after the fact Perfect forward secrecy is something that somebody can enable for the website, but according to the Heartbleed write-up, they call it unfortunately rare, but powerful. So they talk about it being a good protection, but as with a lot of things, security, they're not necessarily as ubiquitous as they should be.
0: What CISOs and others can take from this incident involving Heartbleed?
1: I think one of the things to, to keep in mind here, and this is a good example of it, and I would mentioned earlier, with a lot of people and a lot of maybe network administrators, the idea is I'm just going to install the patch of make sure I'm fully up to date and that's all that I have to worry about. In this particular case, and as we had just discussed the whole aspect of changing passwords or regenerating keys. Hopefully, it it serves as an example of why people need to kind of consider the bigger picture. And in this particular case, yes, you need to install the update, but there's a lot of cleanup that needs to happen at the end here that revolves around the aspect of sensitive information was leaked, but you don't know necessarily what it was, so you kind of have to take additional steps to clean up after what might have happened. So it's not only just making sure that you're up to date, but also dealing with certain aspects after a particular event like this. But hopefully, at the same time, it might get people to consider the bigger picture of, let's do some additional defense in depth, do some things that help minimize the pain when a particular vulnerability like this one is made public. And ideally, don't consider that this is a rare event that will never happen again because something like this will happen in the future. And hopefully having gone through it this one time, we have a better idea of how we can address that sort of situation.
0: Thanks, Will. Okay. I've been speaking with Will Dorman of Carnegie Mellon Cert. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Eric Chabro. Thanks for listening.